0: Or maybe a, like... That's a dick
1: shin. <laughs> and then if she was like, no, I don't want that dick, that would be a dick shun.
0: Yeah, I like dick shun better because then she's... I have this image of, like... <laughs> don't want it. Yeah. like Don't want that dick. The, the, the passive, like, waving, like... Egh. Or he. That's true. Or they. A group of naysayers. Or
1: just, you know, non-gender-specific <laughs> uh, person not, not wanting the dick.
0: A big blob of flesh just, like, saying No.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, sure. Or saying no to the big blob of flesh.
0: Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to the Bandletron Curious World Podcast. You know, someone, um, a listener asked me recently, you know, you're always asking your guests, you know, what is happiness? Uh, Well, what is happiness for you? And, um, you know, made me think about, you know, our, what, how would we identify, uh, you know, as things that make us happy. And I remember, I remember being in middle school, I guess I was around, uh, maybe this was like sixth grade. And, um, actually throughout middle school, six, seven, and eight, maybe, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't have any friends. And uh, I knew I was into I was into things that I guess I didn't really need them or were kind of friends repel it. Certainly, girls repel it. I was into pro wrestling and comic books and uh, Star Trek. And um, I remember coming home straight from school, of course, um, getting a, a, a can of Mountain Dew. And, uh, pizza rolls, frozen pizza rolls, and just eating them and watching UMTV raps. And, uh, yeah, I was, and you know what, regardless of the the shitty day I had at school, and there were plenty, it, that was like I was going, it was like a, um, it's like a portal, and I, and for for the duration of UMTV Raps and I guess after that maybe there was some reruns of what's happening, or Martin, or I can't can't remember. Everything was fine, and it was almost bliss. And uh, I, I wasn't thinking of my shitty day, and I wasn't thinking about you know the any kind of anxiety of the future. I was just kind of enjoying my my pizza rolls and my Mountain Dew and, and uh, what kind of shenanigans Raj and the gang were uh, going to get into. Obviously that's changed. <laughs> um, that's, that's not what I do these days for fun, although I think that would be fun. Um, but I think your perception of fun and happiness uh, grows um, and does change as you get older, I hope. Um, but it's a reflection of where you are in your life, uh, right now. But, you know, sometimes I do think back, um, about that kid, you know, that little portly kid who was, uh, stuffing his face and, you know, watching videos of, uh, Public Enemy or uh, EPMD and I, I, I think, um, <laughs> maybe I'm a little envious, uh, you know, of his naivete. Um, yeah i mean those were uh those were interesting times i guess um, but, uh you yeah, the 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 bliss of youth uh today's guest is uh isaac klein who is a writer director and uh and one hell of a pun master uh we in our talk we get into uh discussion of directing actors. Uh, the variety of Halloween costumes that we uh, that we've seen throughout the years, and uh, and of course drugs. Um, aside from all those things, um, you know we, we do mention it, and I, I just wanted to say it here because we'll, it it is mentioned rather quickly in the in the conversation. The book that uh, Isaac is working on is School of Doing Lessons from the Theater Master Gerald Friedman. Um, and, and that'll that'll make sense uh, when you hear it in the in the conversation, and also um, in the conversation. We a uh, little spoiler, or maybe not. This is more of to, to brace you, who you know what's going on. Um, we make reference to um, who the voice of the uh, of the New York City uh, MTA, you know, the sub the voice you hear on the subway, particularly his his subway line in the end. That's actually, you know, and there's debate: is this a, a an algorithm or a, a real person? It's actually a real person. Uh, for anybody that's um, taken a ride on the uh, subway, you've probably heard this guy. He's very articulate. It's actually, I looked this up. It's actually a guy named Charlie Pellet who used to work on uh, Bloomberg Radio. So, so props to Charlie Pellet. You go, boy. Um, today's episode is brought to you by Finest Kind Tea. It's a blend of teas of the finest kind. Wink, wink. Uh, your solution for instantly making iced tea, sparkling soda, or creative cocktails at home. But you don't have to be home. You could be on a rooftop. You could be at the beach. Uh, you can be in your mother's basement or uh, in front of the TV watching um TV raps. Um, it's easy. You can just add these mixers and modifiers to water or... Um, an adult beverage or whatever you want, um, and they're really—it's handcrafted in the lovely state of Maine, and uh, really great people behind the product. And you know the mixers and modifiers themselves are really good. Um, you can follow them on Twitter at FinestKindTea. Check out their new revamped website, FinestKindTea.com. Not only for their mixers and modifiers, but also recipes for cocktails, and also you can use these uh, mixers and modifiers with your food preparation with salads and and all kinds of things if you'd like to get a hold of isaac klein you can or if you have questions uh... for me you can always uh... tweet the show at vandalvt thirty um, three you can also go to our uh, fan page at facebook or go to uh, the website directly VandalTrong.com. dot um, you know isaac uh... did say you know if uh, listeners want to uh, get in touch with me, I guess, you know, you can give them my personal email. And I was like, eh, I don't know. That's uh there's a lot of weirdos out there on uh on the interwebs. Um and uh of course, if you're listening, then obviously you're not a weirdo. Um oh, another thing too, uh when we're rapped, Isaac just says very arbitrarily, Oh, by the way, I'm a freestyle rapper. I'm like, What the fuck? What what? 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 Uh yeah, mind blowing. Um, uh, little too, little envious. I mean, he's a tall guy, good looking guy, and he's a rapper. Jeez. Uh, anyway, I, that's now my prerequisite. Regardless of their background, I think anybody who comes on the show, I'm just gonna ask them just straight up. Hey, are you a freestyle rapper? Are you? Don't be fucking lying to me. Anyway, without further delay, my enlightening, earth-shattering conversation with the one, the only. Isaac Klein and uh, then i, I do that uh, Yeah, it's no, gonna okay.
1: part of uh when uh uh, they got somebody on. they like, "Oh yeah." Anyway, those was fucking parking spots, and they're like, "All right, so we're ready to start." We started five minutes ago. Oh, all
0: right. Okay. Yeah, I remember. I don't know if you heard the one with uh, Ian. Ma- was it Ian McKellen? Yeah, Ian McKellen. He was just like, "Did you start?" And he, oh, I think because he was somebody was late, and uh, yeah, he was he was pretty upset. He was pretty cantankerous throughout that whole uh, thing. He wasn't sure when they were recording or anything.
1: And you walk into the room with a mic, just you know, said <laughs> the worst.
0: Uh... Clown, welcome to the show now that you've lost all
1: that wonderful <laughs> material off mic when I thought maybe the mic was on nobody knew Great we story.
0: can pretend that it's and it's off
1: yeah and that was it. it and now we're wrapping up
0: yes afterwards so now we're just we'll just do it all again
1: okay and do you want to retake that just for fun
0: uh, I don't know I don't know if we can re- rekindle that flame's gone it's
1: dead forget about it.
0: I noticed that you have a uh, Halloween. Uh, bag I do. There. I thought I thought you might ask me about that, curious
1: <laughs> fellow that you are.
0: Uh, what's what's in the bag? Should I show you, or
1: should I just tell you about it? Because you it's know what, like uh, audio let's, only.
0: Let's discover this, and I think listeners will know what it is based on my reaction. So
1: I'm gonna. I should show
0: you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Now it, it involves more than what you see. This is step one of, of the costume.
0: Isaac has just placed an LL Cool J hat on his head.
1: Now, what else would you describe it as besides an LL Cool J hat?
0: Uh, actually, it's not LL Cool J. It's more uh, Panama Jack.
1: Yeah, and, and what does Panama Jack do?
0: Um, <laughs> employ uh, third world <laughs> countries to, for their clothing?
1: Yeah, yeah, I was going for like an explorer, explorer look.
0: Yeah, Maybe. Uh, Mr. Kipling, perhaps?
1: Yeah, perhaps so. Think about like, the
0: canvas shirt. Do you want to wear that while we... Uh, not really. Okay. Would you find that exciting? Uh, I don't want you to be uncomfortable.
1: I'm more comfortable without the hat.
0: Okay, okay. Did you... You, you, did, you, weren't, you weren't feeling the hat while I was on?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, no, you know, I'm not really a big hat guy. The hat will help with the Halloween costume. I'm not a hat guy either. I you used mean, to be. Halloween costumes are supposed to be mildly uncomfortable in order to get the effects. So what, what is uh, uh, not, not
0: to you know not not to reveal any spoilers. There's probably very
1: little crossover between people listening to this and people I'll see that night. Okay, okay. Or maybe, maybe not. not. Okay. I
0: don't know. Yeah. So it's the hat and maybe so a I'm little, going little as, monkey.
1: I'm going as Internet Explorer. Uh-huh. So I'm gonna find a little canvas shirt and then I'm gonna drink a bunch of cans of tab. And then I'm gonna put little labels of websites I go to and attach them to my shirt, so I'll I'll have open tabs of the places <laughs> that I go. And then I'm thinking about putting some tidy whiteys over my pants that say "private browsing." Wow. So I'll be I'll be Internet Explorer. That's uh, my friend on the West Coast really likes the idea, and he might also do it out there. And then we can take bi-coastal uh, bromance photos for each other.
0: Wow. I did, my, uh, my go-to is just putting a slip on and write Freudian on it.
1: Oh uh, yeah, okay, well that's also, uh, that's, that's pun worthy. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Do you like puns? Are you a pun guy?
0: I, I don't know if I'm smart
1: enough, but I try to be. Have you heard about Punderdome 3000?
0: No, that sounds awesome.
1: <laughs> it's a monthly pun competition uh, that I do. Wow,
0: that's so a, you have to tell cool. me more. Why 3000.
1: Uh, well, there's like a Thunderdome 3000, right? So Thunderdome so. in itself is a pun on Thunderdome, but I've done a lot of well. There's Mad Max research. Okay, yeah.
0: Is it does your, does your thing involve hating Jews or? No, I, I hope oh. not. Okay, Because
1: me and most of the contestants <laughs> would have to leave.
0: Oh, I thought maybe it was an illusion. You know, Thunderdome, Mad Max, Mel Gibson. Hmm.
1: I think you're. I think you're reaching for the anti-Semitism, uh-huh. but.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what this show's about. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> So so tell me more about the 3,000.
1: Uh, So it's a monthly competition uh, at Littlefield in Gowanus, hosted by Fred and Joe Firestone. Joe Firestone's an awesome comic host personality person in the city. Does a bunch of different events. And they have 18 competitors, and Littlefield fills up. There's a few hundred folks there. They'll be very happy that I'm doing a plug. Yeah. Uh, And... uh, there's 18 competitors and it's a bracketed competition and they give you a subject and about 90 seconds and then give you two minutes at the mic and you have to think of puns essentially in the moment uh, given that particular subject Uh, and then you move forward by audience applause and there's a human applause meter and the people who move forward meet in later rounds so it becomes more competitive as the crowd favorites advance and then there's silly prizes at the end and there's a lot of uh, silly interaction with the audience, and uh, only as seen on TV, prizes, and uh, you know, people singing TV theme songs to keep the action going in between, and a lot of uh, uh, tired but lovable Rodney Dangerfield jokes. <laughs> uh, it's very, very nerdy and fun, and uh, something I enjoy doing whenever I'm free. It's once a month. It's usually the first Tuesday of the month.
0: But and yeah. has, has there been so the one for October has already happened. Yes. Oh, so we missed out on a kind of Halloween theme?
1: Well, uh, I think it's November 2nd or 3rd is the first Tuesday of November, and they're including Halloween there. Oh. Uh, and I believe there's even, um, you know, like a punniest costume sort of thing. where wear their costumes. But if I'm wearing the Internet Explorer costume at the Dome... Am I going to be as in the zone for the punning that I'm going to do? Because I'm really more there for the punning than the costume contest. These are the important questions that I ask myself.
0: Yeah, that's tough, and yeah, I don't know.
1: I think I've already answered it, which is I'm not going to wear that to Pundertown. But maybe I'll tell them about it. And see, how and that's that
0: always me. as funny when yeah. you tell somebody about I mean, something.
1: We s- we see how wonderfully that would hear. Right, when I was like, telling you about it.
0: I'm just doing my best to cling on to a, a, a mountain of intellect as I'm slowly slipping with <laughs> castor oil between my fingers. But
1: flattery will get you everywhere.
0: <laughs> I think that's a brilliant costume. You know what? I, what pisses me off is like. Thank you. What? Thank you. Oh. What pisses me off about uh, Halloween is uh, when when people just slap on something and like. Oh, I'm a sexy ham sandwich, or I'm a sexy Starbucks barista. Like, Uh where's the imagination in that? Like, it's... You're just... It's your night to be slutty. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that everyone's annoyed
1: with that. At the same time, I like sexy outfits, so I'm kind of... uh, my higher and lower powers are a, a, a bit conflict over it. Yeah, it's really, I like it, but I don't really know. Like it's really it. terrible how you're wearing a really sexy outfit, and my principles are against the... Uh, <laughs> you're right. I'm convinced.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, had so, to be there. Had to be there. No, no I, I think you're actually a pretty valid point, now that I'm recalibrating my morals. I mean, yeah, you, got, I mean you got latex. Just, just and imagine,
1: and, yeah, that barista, you know, she's wearing the apron, yeah.
0: you know? Well, now I'm envisioning, like, sexy bad girl, right? I mean, that's probably gonna have, it's That's a staple of Halloween. Sexy bag girl? Bat girl, but... Bat girl. Bad girl would actually be... Kind I think it's
1: of... easier to make bat girl sexy. A bag girl, if she's just wearing a bag, or if she's like a, uh, like a person who uh, is homeless? It's like a bag person,
0: sexy homeless. That's, that's harder to person. do yeah.
1: because you're like, even if you look sexy, there's probably issues that you need to attend to.
0: <laughs> You've got like your hospital wristband, like, yeah, oh. I don't
1: know, I don't know what's going on, you know, in terms of uh, hygiene and you know, mental state.
0: Hygiene and mental state—that uh, such your bar. I mean, jeez. Hygiene, mental state—that's that's, that's it, ladies. <laughs> that's all you need. Okay, so let's uh, let's back up here a little bit. Uh, you you mentioned before that uh, you had um, you had rehearsal today. Is that something that we could talk about, or that's something that, yeah, sure. that, that I was curious about. So uh, yeah, what were you rehearsing?
1: Uh, I am just sort of pitching in on this one, uh, this very new project. Uh, that is a musical, rock musical, called So You Want to Be a Porn Star. And I met one of the writers a few weeks ago at a party at the opening of my friend's recording studio. And we got to chitting and chatting, and they haven't had a director attached yet. I said, oh, that sounds interesting, and they're putting together a a cabaret benefit evening, uh, which will use material from the show, but is mostly for uh, stand-up to cancer and one other organization. Uh, one of the writers uh, is a breast cancer survivor and as she was in recovery, started to think about other things she wanted to do with her life and had always wanted to write this sort of show and thought this was a great time and it was also like a reclaiming of her womanhood and sexuality to start to process this material as she was coming back to herself uh, from this harrowing ordeal. So uh, they've got a band together. We were in one of the band's rehearsal studios and had some singers come in and at this point I'm just helping them to organize and offering some thoughts but have not really uh, come on board in any huge or official capacity. I just thought it sounded interesting and don't really know them and this seemed like a good chance to put a toe in the water together and get to know each other and see if it seemed like a good match to potentially collaborate on it in the future.
0: It's it's a it's a comedy or yeah there's there's funny stuff happening. I mean the 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 title would would lend itself to it's a very serious drama. I'm offended that you asked. Yeah, I mean yeah. of the uh, of the you know human drama uh, genre.
1: Yeah, there are songs such as uh, Cunnilingus King and I Love to Fuck You. So it's that, that's not a, extremely the Kenny, Kenny uh, Cover. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does it well.
0: Surprising. What what compels you to uh, to 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 get on board with with a project? What what is it, you know what is your uh, aesthetic? Your your something that that piques your interests as an artist?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I don't look for one kind of story, and I don't look for one category of thing. So I work on a pretty wide variety of styles of projects uh, from straight plays to musicals to experimental to stuff with TV and film, uh, so it's really... Hmm... I think it's material that interests me and people that interest me, uh, so if I'm working on something that excites me and something that I love with people I love, that's really the best, and it's nice when that also means that I'm making a living, and of course that's the goal, but... I feel really satisfied and gratified when I'm just working on stuff that excites me with those kinds of people. Uh, So it could be so many different kinds of things. Uh, I'm pretty narrative driven, so I tend to always look for, first and foremost, what's the story here? What are people going to be following, hopefully, and why are we telling that? What, What do we want them to get or take away from that? those tend to be the guiding principles so if I disagree with that or if I feel like that's not a priority at all and it's just about something to experience a little more non-literally that tends to interest me a little bit less I'm sure there are exceptions
0: and you're primarily a director?
1: I'm a director and a writer uh, and I primarily work in plays and musicals uh, but I'm also wrapping up a book
0: oh Uh, What's the book about? The book
1: is about Gerald Friedman who ran the drama program at the North Carolina School of the Arts from 1991 to 2012 give or take a year and so that's the same teacher who and dean who ran the program uh, that Karen Young went through we were classmates and he was a professional director for many years uh, and then became the dean of that program and made it one of the top most sought after competitive programs in the United States and did great things to unify the training and make sure that all the teachers there were speaking the same language and had the same kind of goals in mind and were giving actors a really practical set of tools. Uh, And he also spent a lot of time teaching at Juilliard and Yale and Northwestern. So from all those places, there are thousands of people who have taken the essential ingredients of what he had to say about acting and text analysis and writing and directing and design, Shakespeare, musical theater, and work for the camera, and use those ideas and those steps of what their what that work is in what they do. But there's no record of what he said besides notes people might have taken. So I set out a couple years ago just to try to create a little packet that would cover those basic rubrics. And then people got excited about it and started to show me more large sources of material that hadn't been tapped and then I started to get interviews lined up with a lot of really exciting people that he's worked with. So the project just sort of ballooned into something that became a really large endeavor, and between juggling other things that I've been working on, it's uh, taken me a couple of years to get through, and I'm editing a manuscript now that I'm pretty happy with, and we're talking to some publishers and trying to firm up a deal, get wow. it out there.
0: And he, he's still alive?
1: Yeah, he's 88, and uh, we're working with the title, The School of Doing, Lessons from Theater Master Gerald Friedman.
0: You, I, I love how you said it. I, I, it's. I hope. I hope other people can say it just like that.
1: I, I hope so. You know, I am classically trained.
0: Yes, I, I, uh, I, I got that. Sent there. There's a. There's a glow around you. that said fucking ham doing on my show. It says yeah. classically trained. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Classically trained bullshit artist Isaac Klein
0: What uh, have you? Voice. Have you gone back to the school since yeah. you graduated? Yeah. Have you known, and he's still there? He uh, retired in
1: uh, 2012, 2013. He suffered a series of strokes and has gotten back to a point where he has a lot of great clarity and quality of life, but has needed to take it a lot easier than he was when he was teaching and directing there. When he was in that mode, he would be going you know, for 16 hours at a stretch, be up early in the office, running the school, planning everything, teaching all day and then rehearsals until late at night and then uh, observing other people's rehearsals, which at that school would go on. I think Karen is telling you some about this from, you know, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. So my directing projects would happen after the mainstay stuff came down. Uh, so he was working really all his life at this incredible pace with huge hours prolifically and uh, I think it was always his hope, I know it was, because he said it on numerous occasions, that he would just drop dead in the middle of that work. <laughs> uh, that's, and that's lovely. He didn't, he didn't drop dead, but he did receive uh, a medical occurrence that necessitated his slowing down, because at the beginning he did not have clarity and he did not have good mobility, uh, and has been getting a lot of that back, but over that process needed to step away and accept the fact that there would be a chapter of his life that it was at a slower pace. And in that time, I know this book has become incredibly important to him as a project that he can still give focus and energy and thought to, and sink his teeth into, to uh, keep doing the work that he loves to do in some way, in just a different form
0: And he's known it. Do you think the school is still keeping his uh, ideology uh, about the craft, or have have there been a shift in terms of their own rubric?
1: I think it's probably both, so there are a lot of teachers there who are the same teachers and uh, a new dean came in who's uh, a very intelligent guy with a lot of energy and his philosophy and approach is of course not exactly the same, so some of the things will grow and shift to accommodate that and be molded by this new person and I think there are also still a lot of things in play that are a result of what Gerald put in place there. So I think both things are true.
0: Now you, you obviously run across a lot of, you know, New York City actors, you know, that are trained, highly trained, you know, in, yeah. in New York, maybe they've come from LA. Um, what what are some trends that you notice? Can you be more specific? Things that you identify with that uh in in, in current that are currently. Like are do you feel like most people who are pursuing acting now are 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 trained classically? Do you feel like they've uh you know, just kind of watched some you know listen to some commentary uh, author, you know commentary on some DVDs and said like i wanna you know I want to be famous um do you feel like there there is a an, a an attention to to you know putting in work
1: I do yeah uh and that's the kind of people that I like to work with uh people who have a craft and want to apply it and want to really come into work and not just to be seen or to be famous. Uh, and I would say, yeah, I, I can't think of anybody that I've worked with enough to, to know uh, who is coming in without any training. Uh, so that might mean that they majored in it in school and that might also mean that they came here with that dream and started enrolling in some classes now, this whole idea of receiving school training uh, to be a performer is really new, relatively speaking, and for centuries it was about apprenticing with a company and learning through doing it a lot and watching the more established members of the company how they did what they did and I know there are a lot of people who, even Gerald, who has said at times that is still the ideal and best way to learn this, but the structure of how the industry works now does not allow for that in the same way. So uh, the school is kind of like uh, the next best thing. But it's something that you, I feel, cannot read a book about to fully learn, and that the most important parts of what you learn happen through the doing when you feel it drop in in yourself, so you can talk about an idea, like, you can't just say a line, you have to have an intention, you have to play an action. You're, you're, you're just saying words at them, you're not really talking to them, really talk to them. Uh, those ideas are very hard to make sense of until you've practically applied them in a room and had someone there for you to say, there you go, that's it, did you feel that? and then you can start to dial it in for yourself and
0: know it in your body
1: uh, and call on it when you need it. But,
0: yeah. What, what do you think holds a lot of actors back from 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 obtaining that? Uh, well, there's... I think in
1: what I just said, there's a number of different tenets uh, and different actors have different issues, you know? Um, I know... Uh, my most common problem, uh, when I was acting and still doing it sometimes, is that uh, I'm thinking about what's happening, so I'm in my head instead of just being fully present in the moment. So I'm kind of, oh, how was that? Was I doing okay there? Uh, what am I going to do next? What's my next line? I'm going to try to do it like this. And all of the all of that kind of chatter is indicative of the fact that you're sitting back from the scene, whereas. If you're completely present in the moment and really listening to what someone's saying and being driven by what you want from them, your thought as the actor gets very quiet and your focus is in the
0: moment that you're in as the character in the belief in that situation. Right. It's almost shutting your brain off, right? And just kind of yeah. being instinctive and, yeah, um, like sort of like just kind of muscle memory, right? In the sense of. After rehearsal, and then and it's a
1: little different than shutting your brain off because my favorite actors are really intelligent and are using that intelligence to create something outstanding. Uh, so maybe it's just about the part of the brain that we're talking about,
0: yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's but the, absolutely, the, there's the something wrong to word. that.
1: That you, you do all this work, the,
0: the intellectual, yeah. part you use like. the
1: intellect to ask a lot of questions and get to the bottom of what this is really about. And hopefully, that work will become a platform for you so you can walk into the space and let go of it all and not summon any of it consciously, but it's there for you in the moment. And that's the sort of thing, again, I think it's really hard to uh, think about on paper. Uh, I think you have to learn it, or it's very helpful to learn it. Uh, from working with people in the space, if if that's in your living room, in a rehearsal hall, or in a class, or on stage,
0: yeah, or in front of a camera, doing it, yeah. Right? I yeah. mean, I think a lot of times, uh, um, like you'll notice, you know, people are just out of their depth because they just haven't had that experience around, you know, that league of, of performers who are who are serious, who have that training, who are top notch, and. And so maybe that person kind of stands out because, you know, they're they just haven't had the experience in that type of work, mm-hmm. and so their instincts are not as they're they're, they're it's not not firing on those cylinders like these other performers. Um, you know, I I mean I've certainly seen uh, plays where you know maybe one person will stand out in that regard, and it's just like why isn't this person, you know, it, it's like they're in a different world than, than other people. And it's like, hmm, that's, you know, that's, that's that's odd, you know. And it could be a number of things. It could be mm-hmm. the direction. It could be, you know, maybe that particular night. or whatever. Yeah, and
1: I sometimes see people who have moved over from uh, work on screen. And I know uh, sometimes there are people who will get into TV or film who come from... Uh, they just try to get into that, and they have a great look, or they come from a modeling background, or they've done commercial work, and uh, sometimes they don't have the same kind of uh, background in acting training or work in the theater. And sometimes when those people will come over to the stage from that background, uh, not always, but sometimes those people stand out to me or will feel like they're on a different level than the other people that I'm seeing. And then sometimes it's not about that. It's about the fact that um, one or more of the performers in a show have interpreted what the style of the show or what's needed to honor the material differently. And if they're incongruous for that reason, then I would look to the director and say, you gotta ensure that all these people are in the same play. Um, That's one of your most important jobs after making sure the story is clear.
0: I remember (laughs) I was uh, was in a performance and uh, the actress, uh, her direction was, she had to go and sit at the bar stool. And so she interrupted rehearsal and said, "Well, I don't know because, you know, if I should be at that bar stool now, I just feel like in my character, you know, where I am right now, would she go directly there? I think maybe she would hesitate because she's dealing with all these things. Uh, what do you think?" And the director just went, "I just go sit at the bar stool." <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, that's that's part of your job as an actor. You gotta. Uh, I mean, I love to. Uh, Find out how an actor is processing a moment, and use that to fuel something that's going to feel personal and organic to them and what they're figuring out. But sometimes you really need an actor to go sit at that bar stool. And as an actor, if, if it's about reverse engineering or whatever, you have to figure out your justification to walk to that bar stool if that's what you need to do.
0: Right. So. How do you how do you draw that fine line of the you know to, to pull the leash and let it go in terms of when when actor you know when you have that personality where yeah. where, where some actors are, are I don't know if needy is the right word but but look for look to you as the director for 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 work they should be doing on their own like uh-huh. how do you curtail that?
1: So are we talking about a situation where the actor just wants guidance on what they're doing?
0: Well, you know, I feel like in terms of like background work and work that you know, I, I, I you know, I've experienced in, in firsthand where where I just feel like, you know, questions that actors have for directors, I feel like those are that's just you know work that they should do, you know, like, I mean, uh, I, not 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 well. I can't think, uh, maybe maybe I'm not being clear here, Uh, but just, I guess, in in broad strokes, that that compulsion to lean on the director as opposed to doing work for yourself, like how do you curtail that? Hmm. Well,
1: I'm happy to speak hypothetically, but I'm really happy to say that I haven't been in that situation a lot, that uh, the work I'm doing... I'm consistently working with actors who are excited to be there, and bring choices in, and uh, bring what they have to offer to the table. And uh, sometimes it's about me asking them for more specifics, or to dig in a certain direction. But I, off the top of my head, I can't think of a situation where an actor was just too quote-unquote needy about asking me what they should do. I mean, if that happened, uh, first of all, I'm really happy to uh, take time with an actor to help them figure something out if they feel like they need that. So I think my first impulse would be, if I didn't have time in the room, uh, if we were on a time crunch or working with a bunch of pe- other people who are waiting around, I would say, hey, let's find a time before or after rehearsal one day or another time in person or on the phone, and I would be really happy to go through these questions with you and try to help you start to make some sense of it. Uh, so that would be my first idea. And then if we spent... It would really depend on the questions. I would be happy to spend a full day doing it if it felt really fruitful and like we were really getting somewhere, if I was really helping them. If it just felt like some sort of neurosis of theirs and this was neediness, again, this is totally hypothetical. I've never run into this with any actor. Um, because they don't really exist. Actors? Neurosis. all an illusion.
0: Neurosis and actors.
1: Oh, well, you know... <laughs> I'm very neurotic, so I guess I have empathy for it. But anyway, uh, I I think if it was really just getting fruitless and they just seemed to very needily be asking and asking and asking, uh, I would say I think that you need to take the initiative to start answering some of these things for yourself and develop the tools to have confidence in your own discoveries and bring them in. I can't support you to this degree. We've just spent all day talking about this. You need to now take the lead. Uh, in that imaginary
0: scenario I'd probably go with something like that we don't deal with imaginary you know no it's, it's yeah
1: no it's all <laughs> it's all very real just like this unicorn here in this cloud <laughs> shouldn't have taken those mushrooms before coming in
0: hey if you want mushrooms um, I've been looking for them we can talk later alright is that
1: off the air I thought you said this was R-rated
0: well, what, I, I, well no I mean I, we, I, I know a guy I mean I well, people who listen know I, I, I mean, I'm really he doesn't, I'm, want
1: it, he doesn't want his name on the, uh, the podcast? He can get some business get
0: That's true Maybe, I don't know Yeah, maybe not You know You think police officers are listening to, to this podcast? I just feel like, you know uh, If we can call them air quotes drug dealers or They could be really sensitive about those things Sure No, but people who listen know I, 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 I do mushrooms a lot
1: Oh, great Yeah um, But it's well,
0: That would it's, be a
1: lovely uh, development of the day I, I'm glad that came out of the improv
0: are you a fan of uh, psychedelics
1: oh yeah oh. well I haven't done the rest of the family uh but um I'm certainly interested uh but yeah uh, the shrooms have always been a really beautiful experience for me with some friends in a safe place outside on a beautiful day so soon it's gonna be too cold but um I really enjoyed them a handful of times and I always take something away from the experience that uh you know, I feel very rooted with myself, I'm very connected to the world, and kind of sensing the great oneness of things. And
0: yeah, absolutely, me too. I mean, when I first did them, I did it in more of a party atmosphere, like, oh, let's take mushrooms and get fucked up. And I, I just, I never I've never gone that
1: way, so I don't know. I never, I've never seen friends freak out in those
0: kind yeah, of yeah. I never got, I never really. I mean, it was it was definitely a different experience. so I was like, whoa, this is. And then, but but then I rediscover them, you know, just kind of on my own because I'm, you know, I, I would take them and I would meditate, and uh, or, or after meditation, and you know, and I would see like where I would go, and you know, getting away from having a, a directive of you know, you know, to party or to you know, have you know any kind of like fun or outrageousness, and just to be centered. And to see where this you know journey would go it it's it's enlightening, and you know you learn so much about yourself, and for me, because you now you understand where what you're doing as opposed to like oh let 's take a bunch and see what happens. you know it's your your for me, I felt like it, it's kind of like you're you're mud sliding but with little control, you know you can like okay, i don't want to go down here, I think I'll go down here and uh you know and um, yeah, it's great. I, I I so I did a podcast earlier where me and two other guys did mushrooms. One had did it before, and the other guy didn't. So it was kind of an experiment on the podcast. Yeah. Ah. So the guy who never did it, he just couldn't settle down. He uh, you know he kept checking his phone. He uh, oh yeah,
1: I get that shit out of there when I'm
0: yeah. I mean, I, I wanted people have to experience how they want to experience it, but he just uh, he just he was so adamant on. You know, experiencing that thing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then uh, you know, I told him later on. I said, "Well, here's what you did differently than what we did, and it's fine." But if you really, if you really want to, you know, to go on a journey, then yeah. you really have to go forth,
1: which is a nice way of saying you totally fucked
0: that up. Yeah, you do, dude. You fucked it all up. <laughs> but it's weird, like for me and for um, I can't can't using the generic word of drugs, but. I don't really see them as you know like things that I like to do socially. I like to do them like almost privately. You know, mm-hmm. I like to take uh, you know edibles and just kind of read a book. And mm. you know, when the page, when the when the you know pages kind of get rearranged, I'm like, oh okay, and then I'll put it down and I'll just kind of stare into nothing. And but it's really learning about me. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of times you know if I'll Go to a party or something, and people are like smoking weed. I'm just so I'm just not really into it. But yeah. I love I love weed. But I'm just not you know what I mean. Like I'm just not into. I feel like it's like uh, I don't know putting champagne in like cereal. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, there's so, it's more of a it's more of a night and day thing. You know? Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, and and you've gone into meditative uh, explorations. Uh, with the aid of psychedelics.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's something I love doing. Uh,
1: cool. I mean, uh, maybe that's a hard thing to articulate, but I'm, I'm curious about that.
0: Um, well, for a lot of times, uh, I, I guess you know, I think we all go through periods where. Well, I can't speak for anybody. I went through a lot of periods where I, I, I think you know, in hindsight, when I'm being honest, I didn't like myself and, you know, I was, I was angry and I was just kind of pissed off. Like things would just, you know, and, uh, I guess that was around the time when I first experienced, uh, mushrooms. And so I remember taking them and I was just kind of like, just feeling awful, just like, oh my God, my life is shit. And so when I started discovering, you know, meditation and just kind of recalibrating my life, that's when I started getting curious of like, would I have that same experience? Like, I don't think so. So again, it was like me going down uh, a mudslide, but being able to control it in the sense of, I, I'm more centered now. I'm not somebody who's just like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. And I, you know, fuck the world. Because for me, it's not, it's not an escape. It's more a journey to someplace. So for me, it's like I have these images, um, and you know, and, and it'll be anything. Sometimes it'll be, uh, you know, Native American culture images. Maybe it'll be like red tarantulas, mm. and I just kind of experience it, you know. And I just like I just let myself go and float, and um, and I learn about. It's when I say I learn about myself about myself, it's I learn about my about myself on an emotional level and a spiritual level. It's not like I found any new information about like who I am. Some people do. Maybe I'm not smart enough to do that. But then when it's done, I just feel like, oh, let's you know, I just I just, you know, swam in the ocean. Um Yeah, so that's why I love it. This is the PSA for,
1: so like, drugs. <laughs> <Some good> drugs. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I, I agree that word is not specific enough, and maybe psychedelics is a better frame. But, you know, uh, I think there's a very different set of associations that can should be had for shrooms compared to crystal meth. You know, uh, it's a lot harder to become addicted and make terrible life choices and uh, have your priorities shift drastically uh, from taking shrooms than it is to become highly addicted to... I mean, I, not that I know, but this is, you know, just what I gather. Uh, and, and it's the reason that I haven't uh, wanted to try those things as much.
0: that sounds very scary. Also, meth mouth. I'm not, uh, I'm not looking forward to experiencing meth mouth. Mm.
1: Although, you know, if it was... Uh, non-habit forming and psychedelic and you only got meth mouth if you did it a lot a lot a lot a lot a lot I don't think that just uh, the oral destruction would be enough to uh, to face me Well, it's more the life destruction
0: yeah well f- actually interesting you bring that up because even though I joke about meth mouth meth mouth is not a direct cause of smoking it also meth. sounds funny and cute I know and that's why I like to say it meth mouth you have meth mouth. <laughs> It's actually because people who take or are doing crystal meth mm. are at a point in their life where they don't really give a fuck. It's not like somebody who is, let's say, a middle, middle class person if they're smoking meth. Why
1: don't you get like uh, you know heroin mouth or crack mouth?
0: Because I think there's something specific with, with crystal meth that it does make you, your mouth dry out. Ah, uh-huh. But because of the, the
1: Combination of the oral effect And then the lack of caring for it
0: Right, and also the, the economics Where crystal meth is pretty cheap And wor- the lifestyle that you're living oh, okay. Then you just say, fuck it, I'm not brushing my teeth Yeah. My, Th- uh, You go ahead no, 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 go ahead I was going to say
1: One of my childhood best friends uh, Spent a few years uh, As a heroin and meth addict and then came out of it and
0: wrote a really cool memoir about it called Dirty Jersey. Wow. How did... uh, He or she? He. How did he, um... overcome his addiction?
1: Hmm. Yeah, how did it end? Remembering like powerful... I know that he, uh... Remembering scenes in the book where he got to really bad, terrifying low points where he... Could have easily been killed in a number of different ways, uh, and I'm sort of sketching in and assuming that there was a wake-up call in there, or that the right person found out and got him into rehab. But I actually I don't remember. Uh, I think it was about five years ago that I read it. and I don't remember that part. It was exactly, exactly what the turning point was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, do you have any um, experience with like people that in your uh, you've known pretty, uh, with, with the exception of him? I mean, in terms of like addiction.
1: Yeah, um, I have a close family member who used to be addicted to a lot of things and uh, has been in uh, AA and various iterations of that uh, for uh, for many years. But um, for the span of life that I have been old enough to be conscious and aware of that kind of thing uh, they've been totally clean and sober and I'm, I'm uh, I don't really have any secrets but I'm speaking vaguely uh, because I don't think they would appreciate uh, being put on blast sure yeah. uh, so I'm not going to get specific about who they are but uh, uh, so I know you know, that they've been in recovery and that's been um, a wonderful thing for them that they're rightly very proud of and um, it's been over 20 years now and, uh, but that it's still something that they need to stay conscious about and still go to meetings and uh, get a lot of support from that. um, But I have not, uh, well, I think I've had friends growing up and I was like, you're probably a little odd I am with that right now, Uh, but there hasn't been someone really close in my life who was struggling with addiction uh, well, well, no,
0: it's not really true. I'm thinking of a couple. <laughs> <laughs> that mental world of is coming not in. Now you imagine,
1: now <laughs> you imagine. <laughs> yeah, I a in the arts, you, you know, you'd run out the vocation I know you had said that that was a uh, uh, kind of a common theme in your family and something that you were very wary of when you were growing up and going into college that you would uh, become addicted to things.
0: Yeah, well, addiction is something that I'm just... I'm personally fascinated with and you know, and as I've gotten older I've tried to educate myself with, you know, and it, it seems to me that there's a, a commonality, like a through line of of all the cases that, that I've been privy to and, and, and people that I've known is there's a an, an emotional disbalance or, or, or some sort of uh trauma that, that individuals have to deal with. And uh that's I mean it's always fascinated me. Yeah. You know,
1: if you have a penis growing out of your lower leg, that is a form of addiction. How's that? Like a dick shin?
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, obviously, I'm not ready for 3,000, but that's good. Uh,
1: I mean, it was out of left field, and like you were saying something serious and important, and I was like, oh, the pun! That's usually what's happening. I'm gonna
0: try to use that later today. Addiction. Oh, okay. yeah. Addiction. Or maybe a, like... That's a, a dick-shin. And then
1: if she was like, no, I don't want that dick, that would be a dick-shun.
0: Or maybe a dick-sh... Yeah, I was gonna say dick-shun. Yeah. Dick-shun. Dick-shun. Yeah, I like dick-shun better because then she's... I have this image of, like... <laughs> don't want it. Yeah. like Don't want that dick. The, the, the passive, like, waving, like... Yeah. Or he. That's true. Or they. A group of naysayers. Or
1: just, you know, non-gender-specific... <laughs> uh, person not, not wanting the dick
0: A big blob of flesh Just like saying no Oh yeah, uh, sure yeah.
1: Or saying no to the big blob of flesh
0: Wouldn't we all I mean, poor, poor blobs of flesh I mean, what if they have A good mental state and hygiene Well, they got dicks coming out everywhere I mean, why not
1: Really? That's, that's not what I was picturing
0: Well, they have, picturing they have dicks d- on their shins Okay, so can you describe the creature that you're imagining in more detail? A big blob with shins and then you have penises coming out of it. And, and then getting shunned for... Are the shins and the penises the only recognizable body parts? Uh, maybe some eyes here and there. Okay. Yeah. And then getting shunned by offering the multiple dicks. Yeah. It's pretty sad, right?
1: I mean, it's such a unique scenario. That I'm curious about the being and at least hypothetically would want to know more about them and what their story was and how they felt about things. And, you know, maybe I'll give them a handjob, yeah.
0: <laughs> you have options. Because <laughs> yeah, really you know,
1: what they want It's going to bring them joy. It, you know, there's a lot of,
0: uh, we have to see, see what the situation is. You're, you're a joy provider.
1: Yeah, I mean, I am, I am, I love providing joy. That's great, but it has to
0: not be a too great a cost to my own well-being. And you've already evaluated that blobby, shin, penis person probably wouldn't be a, a, a high cost of of your own personal detriment to provide it's big, joy.
1: Big variable. I'd really need to. Uh, I think it would be primarily about uh, the response in the moment. <laughs> the, uh, how does this being make me feel? Uh, do they seem like, uh, they have earnest intentions? Or are they trying to take advantage of me in some way? Um, yeah, what do they want to why? And what's like, what's
0: the, what's the vibe? They're going to get by you a drink?
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, it's so much of it when I meet someone or going to have an interaction with someone, you can look at all these facts and statistics on paper uh, oh, we have all these common interests, and you know they look nice, but but it's really about something that I can identify in a few seconds. That's just about uh, what is this presence, what is this energy that's happening interpersonally that you cannot, uh, I find that I cannot discern any other way than actually being in the same physical space as someone. So this dick blob, uh, you know, it would it would really come down to that and the feeling that I got. I trust my gut on these things.
0: Yeah. Um, what if the what if the penises were erect? Would that would that, would that matter? Would that play into your evaluation of chemistry?
1: Not uh, again. Just as that solitary fact, no. Um, I could in either you know flaccid or hard. I could see it going either way.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Oh, so you 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 attended North Carolina? Did you grow up there? Is that where you're from? I'm from East
1: Hampton, New York. So, I'm a local of the Hamptons. Oh, what's that like? Uh, It's like a small... Well, it's changed. So, growing up there, it was just like a really nice small town. uh, And things would change dramatically in the summer. It would get very crowded. But um, I feel like my upbringing... Out there was kind of typical for America, you know, with like a high school with, you know, jocks and weird arts kids and nerds and.
0: But is it sort of like a beach town? Was it? Yeah, it's it's
1: on the water, beautiful ocean and bays. It's a really gorgeous place. Uh, I love it and still. But then when Memorial
0: Memorial Day weekend rolls around, you guys are like.
1: And now more and more year round, it's getting more and more crowded with people who. Uh, are out there full-time, or they'll come out every weekend, even in the winter, to be out there in their homes. And uh, it does get annoying sometimes, but a lot of the time, I'm like, well, I feel very lucky to be uh, from this gorgeous place, and I can understand why people want to come out here, because it's great. So if I wasn't from here, I'd probably want to visit here too. So I don't really have the level of hatred for everyone that maybe would be expected, or that I should, who's <laughs> just wants to visit there, you know, they, it's nothing against me personally, I don't think. Uh, I feel but, like tourists there too, because, you know, but I have friends who are, like, they're living and working there now, so, like, they're the locals, you know, I'm the fucking tourist, and my parents were, you know, just some of the early people who uh, wanted to visit out there and then moved out there full-time. So uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm scum myself.
0: <laughs> Pseudo-scum, yeah. right? Because you're yeah. not, like, you're not, because the scum would be like, eh, you're not one of us. Sure, sure. But there are a couple different uh, Hamptons, right? So you've got, yeah. uh, can you, can you kind of briefly walk through in terms of, like, what they, because I know that there's, like, a...
1: Yeah, so there's Montauk, there's a, which people always regard independently, but technically, fun fact, is part of the town of East Hampton. So the town of East Hampton includes East Hampton Village, Montauk Springs, Amagansett, and Wainscott. Uh, and then you've got Bridgehampton and then you've got Southampton. There's also a watermelon there. Is that part of uh, Bridgehampton or Southampton? Help me out, trolls. <laughs> and uh, and then there's West Hampton and Hampton Bays,
0: which are kind of Hamptons, but like not really. So that's where the uh, the guys with the black t-shirts and the sleeves cut off and they go. That's where they go, or? Sure. I mean, I have a black t-shirt with sleeves cut off. Oh, so that's where you go.
1: I but I'm from Springs in right.
0: Well, you're you're the outlander.
1: I am the outlander. <laughs> uh, so it's essentially, if you're looking at Long Island and you see a fish, the little tail at the end. Uh, so the head of the fish uh, is Queens and Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And then Nassau County is like the uh, abdomen of the fish, and then the tail kind of splits. That Suffolk County, and so the bottom tail is the Hamptons.
0: But in within within that area of the Hamptons, aka like,
1: the South Fork,
0: that uh, where like in that got, like and then Roger Waters Mansion and stuff like that, where's that exactly? Like,
1: I don't know who that is or where that is.
0: Oh, the lead singer. Well, former lead singer on Pink Floyd, ah. all those celebrities that you know. I know Pink say,
1: Floyd. I've heard of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who's yeah. Pink?
1: Lots of famous people, and the, their houses are primarily, I would say, in Southampton, Bridgehampton, East Hampton. Okay, Which I've is heard of the, the other end are not quite as, rah, 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 you know.
0: But that's not just so. I'm just so I get my geography correct. That's but that's quite a distance, or that's pretty close from here. Too? From, from like, they're all pretty kind of close Those towns. To yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd say
1: it's, um. How many miles is it? Maybe like 30 miles? And it's, it's, it's so it's long, but then it's a very uh, short, uh, it's not very wide. Uh, so, yeah, it wouldn't take you very long to get from one place to another. Although Montauk's way out there, so there's just like a stretch of not much and just, like, very narrow strip. Uh, the that peak stretch. And then it opens up to be Montauk, which is just kind of its own isolated thing. So the drive from Montauk to Southampton, uh, without traffic would take you a good hour, and you could spend two or three hours doing that in the summer. Hmm. There's a
0: lot of traffic. Roads aren't good for People don't want to build more roads. They got this thing called coal. What about it? No, just... Nothing. That's it.
1: <laughs> okay. And then you could
0: use the coal to build the roads? That, uh, no, forget it. That, you know, I was making an allusion to the railroad. Ah.
1: Then you have a railroad as well. That's true. Long Island Railroad.
0: The L-I... Do you say L-I-R-R or do you say R? I
1: guess I would just say the train. Because it's in context of a situation, Right. I wouldn't just say, hello, I'd like to talk to you about the Long Island Road I think I would say, I would be out there and I would be talking about going to the city and be like, oh, I'll take the train. Or I would say, I'm going out to East Hampton, I'm going to take the train. So I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I've had any cause to reference it independently.
0: When you take it in, do you take it from Penn?
1: Yeah. Have
0: you ever, I've always felt like bad for for. Tur- Tourists, like international people, like people who just have no concept of like American culture, and they have to like plop down there. And you've got people who are just like, just basically grabbing people, just like you know, you go over that way, go over that way, go over that way. And yeah. You've got like some guy laying down on the on the on the on, mm-hmm. the, on the floor. And you've got this other guy, like or, yeah. you know, just like chaos.
1: Although I think a lot of, uh, I'm not going to be able to back this up with hard hard data, but. Uh, I feel like a lot of urban centers, when you're entering a country, are chaotic and disorienting around the world. <laughs> <laughs> Is that incorrect?
0: Uh, well, I, I, I would think so. In my experience, it's uh, um, it's yeah, that's inaccurate. We're we're
1: outstanding as as being uh, terrifying and, and disorienting.
0: The times that I've. Uh, the times that I've left the country um, the only times that I've been like harassed ever, you know like at, lo- you know, at the airport here you know when I'm leaving or when I'm coming and yeah. it's never anywhere else mm-hmm. just of course then I, I do look intimidating and scary and, yeah um, but I'll have to
1: leave more often if that's the case
0: so you can get harassed so
1: that I can uh, enjoy the, uh, the the greener grass in other fields. Where would you go? Japan. Really? I always really I've i been to some places, uh, but that is the place that I have not been that I would most like to go.
0: What, what about Japan intrigues you?
1: Uh, whenever I see a photo or video there, it just looks very beautiful, and the uh, what I've seen and heard of the culture, architecture, cuisine, uh, it all just seems lovely and like something that would be wonderful to be immersed in. Um, yeah, people have been there and told me stories. Just love to get a first-hand experience of that.
0: Yeah, it is, uh, it Anybody is amazing. Yeah, it's uh, the place that I've gone to the most outside of the United States, actually. Um, mm. My girlfriend is from Japan, so we go regularly to visit her family. Um, And it is the first time I went. It was actually life changing because of how people treat each other, and they take their time to be so considerate. Um, I actually just thought it was a myth. I'm like, oh come on, people don't really people aren't really that nice. People are just so nice, you know. And you know, it's just, and I I carried that with me. You know, I just like, you know what? No matter what I'm going through in my day, I can, I can be respectful to somebody else, a stranger, because that this interaction is only to be minimal. I'm like, you know, and then as soon as I come back, I go to like a Dwayne Reed. Next! I said next! I said next, motherfucker! I swear, that this woman was just so living. I said next, motherfucker! I think oh, that's me. Yeah. That's me. I take great
1: value in when people here are really being present and nice with me. And uh, like, there was a woman in Penn Station. I was going upstate the other day. And she was hoarding. Hoarding's the wrong word. She was helping hundreds of people to get onto the train and just pointing us in the direction we needed to go with our tickets out.
0: She, she was an employee? Yes. And
1: she was doing so with this wonderful warmth and generosity and a smile. Uh, and I said... Uh, what did I say to her exactly? Something along the lines of like, thank you for being so nice so kind. And she said, oh, yes. <laughs> you know, she was just... And uh, I think, oh, well, she must have... She must... Have happiness in her life She must have love in her life And I think sometimes about People who are being total dicks And I'm like Not that it's an excuse But maybe you're going through Something really awful And that's part of why But sometimes I want to grab them i be like Hey I'm a person We are here right now So fucking Cheer up Cheerful That's what I said I said thank you for being so cheerful
0: Well that's clearly what's going on Right People are experiencing something That They're experiencing Maximum discomfort And rather than dealing with it They'll just Deal with you Right? Like, yeah. you've, you've come in my path, you know, and I, 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 rather than deal with my life, fuck you. And that's so we're just bumping into each other, and then we have all, so many people. I think rather, because experiencing pain, even though it's honest, it's mm-hmm. a hard thing to do. So rather than experiencing that pain, why not just get angry? And why not just get angry at somebody else?
1: Kindness is contagious, and it starts with you. <laughs> well, they to say that at train now. It's like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you see a elderly, uh, disabled, or pregnant person, please offer them your seat. And better yet, add a smile.
0: Do they say it like a like a 1930s uh, radio cast? A
1: lot of my impressions of anything become 1930s radio
0: guys. Oh, okay. But I
1: do think... That that guy who is the announcer. Do the trains have different voices? I read the Okay, no
0: you no when you say train do you mean the Long Island Railroad or do you mean the subway? Or? I mean the subways. Oh. I usually get the gargled uh
1: So on the n uh, M train it's 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 largely automated and uh they will say um I live at the last stop, so they'll say, "This is the last stop on the train. Everyone, please leave
0: the train." I know that Thank guy's for voice. Thank you riding with yeah,
1: MTA New York City Transit. Go fuck yourself.
0: Who? What do you think that guy looks like? Well, I've been wondering—is
1: that a guy? Oh, you or, think it's like a? Or like, is it like—is it a machine?
0: Like an algorithm? They, they just piece together it's a different cyborg of some kind. Di- different, different little pieces, just so they can up- appease everybody.
1: I mean, if that guy's real, he is putting on an effect to sound a little robotic. Isn't that what Siri is, too? Like, it's a lady? Siri is a real she woman. She talks. She does, like, a robot voice to make it feel satisfying or something.
0: Hmm. That's more appropriate,
1: because my phone's talking. You better but, sound like a robot phone. Don't fuck with me. But,
0: but wait, the but train wait, guy... But would the AMTA really go out of their way to... Uh, to, to do anything? To, to <laughs> like, okay, we can do this weird algorithm and, like, you know, composite all these different voices. Yeah. Or we just yeah. hire this dude.
1: They we, probably just did that. Are we allowed to Google things during the conversation? We should wait till after to find out.
0: Uh, I'm curious. Yeah, go, You can Google if you want. I, I ah, yeah, that. I knew you wouldn't. If call I take for that it. off
1: airplane, <laughs> it's gonna be like, oh, I got like a text message. Yeah,
0: that's not good. I'm
1: I'm treating this interview like a mushroom trip where I don't want my technology to be a part. Of, and I I try to be good. Like if I'm having something that's like a genuine experience. If I'm seeing a show, if I'm having a real conversation with somebody. Or I'm going on a journey like that. Um, I love and appreciate the computer in my pocket, but I don't want it to be with me for that. I want to. I want to have my own experience. You Ever walk
0: by a restaurant or a cafe, and you see like, you'll see like a couple, and like they're they're side by side or across from each other, and they're just like looking at their phones.
1: Now, if I'm in a long-term relationship, we might be having lunch (laughs) one day, and I might need to like check something on my phone. So I don't necessarily. Okay. Yeah. I
0: know. I know. I'm being judgmental, but you do see that often, right? Yeah.
1: I even saw a commercial, I don't remember where it was, but it was, uh, I think it was for food or something, where it was a couple, and they're at their apartment and they're eating, and they're both on their phones, and they're like, you can enjoy a meal with someone, you know, whatever it is. And then they show that they're kind of like playing footsie under the table. Um, So it was sort of like making that okay and normalizing the fact that you would be a couple eating together and on your phones and not talking to each other.
0: That's re- Oh, I think I maybe maybe I've seen that, or maybe that just sounds so familiar to me. Maybe you've just seen it in your life. Yeah, maybe I've done it. Yeah, no, I've never done it. Well, um,
1: yeah, you you. So, do you make a policy that whenever you're with your girlfriend eating, that you're never allowed to look at your phone?
0: No, I I, I try not to live. Uh, I mean, in broad strokes, I, I try not to live. Like, okay, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. But just for my own my own kind of aesthetic and pleasure, I. I try not to, you know. I, I try to. I put it away, just not not as a rule, just because, you know. I I want to. I want to experience whatever this is right now. I, I guess what I, I guess what I'm commenting on, you know, you just you're in a cafe or you know wherever you are, and yeah. your people, you you've conjugated, you've made this, you've made this effort to come together, and you want to reach out to other people or you want to see what's going else is going on in the world. And you're you're missing this opportunity right here, you know. It's like whenever you go... I remember I went to uh, my friend's... Um, his son had, like, this little theater performance where they were all, like, fruits and vegetables or whatever. And everybody was, you know... You know, they all... It was like the paparazzi, you know. Everybody yeah, had their yeah. iPads, and they looked like they were holding up, like, lunch trays.
1: Or if you go to a concert now, it's a sea of recording.
0: Yeah, I mean... Or, like, you know, the news footage of, like, the Pope coming by and everybody having their phones out. Yeah. You're not going to see footage of what you're... (laughs) There's not going to be a photo of the Pope.
1: I even think about that, like, when I go to uh, a place with a beautiful view that is popular, like, a building. It's like... Well, I guess you could just look up a... But there is something to be said for the excitement of, this was my view. This is my photo. This is my piece that I am taking from that experience. That is... So, like... A lot of people, like, they'll, I, I don't personally do this, but some people like if they see a celebrity, they'll take a picture of them, they'll get a picture with them, and everyone knows what David Cross looks like, but I feel like to say, this is my picture of David Cross, or this is my picture of my face next to David Cross's face. Takes the moment to a different place that people have an ownership of that means something more than just the replication of the image.
0: Yeah, I think the uh, the, the f- selfie with the celebrity has taken over from like I guess what was uh, in the seventies and eighties, just the autograph. Like, oh, I yeah. got his autograph. Even
1: then, you still yeah get a picture. It's just you don't always have a camera with you then.
0: That's true. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm sure some maybe somebody had a camera with them all the time in the seventies and eighties right
1: yeah maybe a photographer <laughs>
0: <laughs> one of those guys <laughs> <Or a> perfect <laughs> wouldn't it be horrible if you were like a like an actual photographer these days you know who i feel bad for is like journalists i feel like everybody people are reporters like people get their news so instantaneously you know through twitter or websites and i feel like if you were a journalist you would just be like uh oh well, no what do i do
1: well, uh, I think, first off, there's an opportunity for them to engage in that and uh, do what they're doing in a more in the now. And then I also, you know, I'll hear little bits from people about events that are coming about, but um, I, uh, I think there's still a great opportunity in journalism for context and processing and looking at what a series of events means. Uh, and not just what just happened in that second, free of context. And also, you know, all these people, what uh, reputability is there in these people saying, oh my
0: god, this thing just happened, like what, what is, says who? Zero. And I don't, okay, so do you think the general public, you think that's a big factor for them?
1: I'm very challenged by speaking for the general public at large.
0: (laughs) But you're part of the general public.
1: Well, I can speak for myself, that's easy.
0: But you live in But in, in the You're part of this population When you so say the
1: general public Do you mean New York City Do you mean America Do you mean the world I mean America Okay So I'm I so
0: You're, I'm you're I, I am a space alien And you uh, The tribunal And you're representing uh, Where you live I'm uh,
1: Earth right. at the UN
0: Yes Well not uh, I'm America You're America, America. The Yeah You're dressed like Captain America You've got a microphone Oh, oh my, my.
1: <laughs> Sounds very exciting so what is, what is your question? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dude, I mean, does, do Americans care about, you know, their news being fact-checked?
1: I mean, I think if you asked an American, do you want this to be fact-checked, that 99% of them would say yes. But at the same time, I see lots of people posting fake articles just on Facebook, because they see it and it strikes an emotional chord with them and it syncs up with something that they uh, have an interest in, have a passion for, think is funny. And uh, if it were true, it would support their emotions in a way that they would want to share and so they move with that. So, you know, part of it is just what is uh, compelling. But I don't think that that's a modern trend. I think that uh, journalism and the people who uh, receive it has been moved by what people find compelling since it started. And that there's been twisting and uh, weaving of stories and narratives, uh, those two words mean the same thing, uh, since, since the game got going. And, you know, yes, there's a lot of fake news and shitty sources and weird stuff happening now, but there's also an opportunity for people to speak out without the validation of these higher, quote unquote, higher platforms that are sometimes totally full of shit. And it's a person who is just doing their own work with a connection to the internet that can say what the New York Times and CNN and the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post are saying is bullshit because X, Y, and Z, here's the actual thing. Uh, So uh, I think you can make both arguments that there's more crap out there that doesn't have any reputability reputability now and that there's a more direct access to... um, What's really going on? Definitely. We've seen that happen uh, in, in areas of crisis uh, in our country and abroad um, a lot in the last 10 years. You know, where it's people on the ground with their phones who are actually showing you what's really happening.
0: Do you think with, this is just your opinion, now you, you, you're no longer representing the planet. Your opinion, do you think as technology moves forward, do you think that's going to benefit humanity or will it be our detriment?
1: Uh, I absolutely see uh, the value of both sides. Um, There have been some really interesting uh, TED radio hours on this topic. And uh, because what we were just talking about, oh, the phone takes you out of the moment, and we're not really experiencing this thing. We're not really looking at each other. We're not really talking to each other. Um, Sure. The amount of information that's going into my brain that is enhancing my day and the amount of other connections I'm able to make in a sense beyond where I am is uh, phenomenal. And I think there are ways that that benefits my life in a great way. Um, And so much of what I'm able to find out about and where I'm able to go and who I'm connecting with and the... uh, art and ideas and food uh, that I'm taking in. Um, I think we're here because of those things. I don't think I'll be talking to you. Uh, and uh, so those things, there are great advantages to it, uh, to how we can process and share and explore information and ideas and move forward as a people through those means, even though there is this downside of it disconnecting us. Um, I'm gonna totally uh, bastardize this uh, idea. Um, batter up, trolls! There's, I'm saying it like it's like a population, but there's like two guys. Hello. Um, hello. To both of you. Hey, you so, pour water on them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. And under the bridge downtown. Uh, so, uh, uh, but that at every uh, phase of technology revolution, Um, so when, uh, like when there was mass printing, uh, when people really started to figure out how to just be able to, like, write stuff down, so, oh, you can just, like, read that in a book, you don't have to have it memorized. People were like, oh my god, that is the death of the civilized mind, and people's brains are gonna fall apart and become mush because they have this. And, um, but then time revealed that that actually allowed us to Process and obtain and share so much more information than we ever did before, and people looking back said, "Oh, that was great, that happened." Um, And I think similar things have happened. Um, I think TV was another one, or like radio was another. So, like other moments where technology has really shifted how we use and process and share information around the world. Um, When it hits, people are terrified and assume it means our eternal damnation. And then we discover in a generation that it's what allowed us to leap forward in a way that has redefined our lives for the positive. So, uh, it's tough to say. I can really see both sides. I also, you know, I'm just kind of worried that, like, all this shit is just going to give us all brain cancer in 10 years. Probably. Um, you know, I, I this really might be, like, the, the cigarette of our day. Everybody's like, "Yeah, somebody said it might be bad. But like, it's fine. Everybody's doing it. It's great." You've there.
0: got you've got an iPhone between your you know your index finger and your middle finger, and putting it in between your lips. Well, we essentially do. I saw
1: a quote the other day that was like, um, "I needed to charge my book, but I couldn't because my friend was using it to charge his cigarette." And that's when I realized that the future is stupid.
0: <laughs> I mean, think to, to get to uh, to 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 your point, I, I think you know. You know the remark I made in terms of you know being judgmental when I see people on their phones, uh, you know, at a cafe or whatever. Those are soon to be old world values. I mean, that's that's that's. I'm looking at it through through my telescope, which, Mm -hmm. you know, the the you know the world, technology, everything. It's 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 going. You know, it's moving forward. So, I mean, you you could you could apply the same. Uh, morality to things that are that were okay or or were not okay, you know, twenty years ago that that now are are fine, you know. I, I, like I don't know, taking something arbitrarily like, a, who would think to get a tattoo on their neck? Now it's like I see that all the time, you know. It, it's just the progression of you know technology, also you know society, it's everything. Here. Yes. <laughs> I, I started I don't know if I mentioned this but I started a blog where I was uh, uh, Fucking fear? Well I, I'm not I don't have the uh, the apparatus to do that but I was collecting uh, the, the the neck tattoos that I saw mm. and then I, I stopped that but I saw a really good one the other day and uh, it said um, Neck Billy <laughs> Now I wondered is he Billy and if he is, that's so rhetorical. And if he isn't, who is Billy? Hmm. Or what? Yes. Um, and on that note, Isaac, uh, I, I asked all my my uh, guests who come on uh, this this question. Well, actually, are we at the end? We, we are. What time is it? Oh
1: my god! All
0: right. Yeah, time flies when you're talking about. Uh, Penises jettisoning from. You like, let Karen go on for, on for about 20 flux.
1: minutes longer. Does that mean that you
0: like me less? Absolutely. Okay.
1: Gotta <laughs> know where I stand. She's, she's more charming than I am.
0: 20 minutes. Yeah. Well, 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 I, well, well, I don't know what we'll do. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure out something when the mic turns on. Well, well, we could talk more about Montauk. Um, if you were to have a conversation with yourself from, let's say, when you first arrived in New York, uh, what would you say to that person? Boo, hoogly,
1: moogly, moogly. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I would say, uh, I don't want to spoil the surprises for you because I think that's a lot of the fun. Uh, Keep doing what you're doing breathe uh... and just know that what you think the destination or the point of what you're doing will shift but that as long as you keep putting the work in uh... with a heartfelt honesty you'll get where you need to be and you'll enjoy yourself and uh try not to worry about everything so much, but Future You is still working on it, so...
0: Sorry. (laughs) What is happiness to you right now?
1: Uh, The first thing that I want to do is sing Happiness from Charlie Brown. Do you know that song?
0: I don't remember that. No. I usually have the soundtrack. I don't think that's on there. No, I don't know that song. It's
1: definitely on there. It's the end of the show. Uh, you know, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, the Broadway musical. Not the oh, show. sorry, sorry. sorry. No, yeah, I don't know. Um, that's a fun song to listen to. If you want to check it out? I will. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, for me... Hmm. A lot of it comes from my work. A lot of it comes from my relationships, which are very interwoven. I think it's really about moments. Because, like something that I appreciate or something silly or a moment of kindness or beauty can occur, like, you know, just anywhere that I am if I'm open to it and that can really make me feel happy. Uh, I think it's often in moments where I remember to have gratitude for uh, the fact that I'm... that there is so much uh, satisfaction and gratification and love and joy and amazing people around me in the life that I'm living, that when I'm in moments that I'm interacting with those things, which are many, many times a day, that I can pause and be like, that's great that that's there, that that's happened, that these people are here, that we can be experiencing this together. Uh, And that brings me a lot of happiness. So what was the question again? I'm gonna try to sum it up more succinctly.
0: What is happiness to you right now?
1: Yeah, happiness to me right now, is the conscious appreciation of the things in my life uh, that I'm grateful for, I guess. Sounds kind of hokey. Why? Because I feel like.
0: Should be more. I
1: feel like so people say stuff like that, but it isn't true.
0: <laughs> you know? But yeah, I mean, that's, that's Because really... it's hope. Well, yeah, but then by definition, they say it because it's not true. But if it is true. Yeah. The so,
1: the sentimental, open-hearted man and the jaded cynic are at war inside of me.
0: That'd be a good Halloween costume.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: That? It looks like maybe like 2 Faced
0: or something? <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, and, you know, got to work in the, the bag.
1: Yeah. I'm bringing her back around yeah. to
0: the Isaac, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you, man. Was, this was fun. My pleasure is over here. Um, Isaac Klein, everybody. Uh, everybody listening, thank you so much. Uh, Bodhisattva, I'll talk to you next week. Go out and do good in the world. Thank you.